I don't get don't get scared and start turning off your radios, huh? I'm not advertising or trying to sell you anything. If the mouthwash you're using uh, is uh, not the right kind and it tastes sort of like sheep dip, why well, you just have to go right on using it. I can't advise any other kind. So. Welcome to Bacon, Beans, and Limousines. This is a Will Rogers Memorial Museum podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Crumweedy. Guys, and I'm Bart Taylor. We are in the basement once again, episode 11. We uh, faked you out last time and had an episode with Bo Jennings about the uh, Verdigree, the uh, Will Rogers project. That went great. Played a little live song for us to give you a little taste. This one, we're going to go to episode uh, episode 11. It's going to talk about vaudeville part two. So I say sit back, relax, pop on those cowboy boots. All right, guys, let's dive right in. How about it? Second round, diving in. We are, um, we're doing vaudeville this week. Vaudeville part two. Vaudeville part two. Um, we're, we're kind of splitting it up quite quite a bit, actually. Um, yeah, we gave you a break. Just We thought we could... You know, go a little different direction last it's, week, and I thought it went great. Yeah, it's well, vaudeville is such a big part of Will's life, um, his early days, and kind of get him established as a star. So, uh, you know, we're just trying to do it justice. Um, but uh, you know, we had an opportunity to go chat with Bo Jennings, which man, that yeah. was great. Well, yeah, we, I mean, focusing on Will becoming a star, we wanted to hang out with a star. Absolutely, we're rubbing shoulders with him all day. He actually got upset because I was a little too close to him rubbing shoulders <laughs> at one point, but he uh, he we worked with this. Uh, Played played a song, which if you you have to go back and listen. Yeah, um, I'm assuming if every one of you, which let me hey, don't brings, assume, Jacob. People are listening. Let's bring that. Let's time to bring that up. Ooh, go yeah. go subscribe. Go subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever uh, whatever um, MySpace wherever you hear your your podcast. <laughs> go subscribe to us, and uh, more more importantly, let us know what you think about what we do. Um, yeah. You know, we'd like to improve the podcast in whatever way we can and tell us how terrible we are or tell us how good we are. We, are we, we uh, we've had a couple of both. We've had a couple of emails saying, hey, step it up a notch. Yeah. <laughs> and then a couple saying, step it down a notch a couple times. Sometimes from the same person. Yes. And it's always the same person. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows who we're talking about. So that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Um, Jacob, let's, uh, I feel like we need to give our, a special thanks Boy, to howdy. something that's really kicked off our. Our whole mission. Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were we had the pleasure of being on uh, Good Day Tulsa. It's a local morning show um, on uh, Channel Eight here in the Tulsa area, and it was um, we were absolutely thrilled to be on the show and talk about what we're doing here with the podcast. And um, I, I would say we were like thrilled and nervous, Mister uh, Left Leg Mover there over there. Yeah. Okay. So I had a little twitch in my left leg. I just kept shaking it and shaking it and shaking it. It was just sugar. I mean, it's, you had too much sugar. I do that all the time. In fact, if you don't, if you, you're look, doing, he's doing it right I'm now. I'm doing it right now, actually. Yeah. You hear that? So people think it's a nervous thing, but honestly, I do it all the time. I know. They just I, don't, really, they just don't know. But me you were, well. you were on uh, camera. So it was I was on, I was on the TVs. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. But it was fun. I mean, Keith asked us a couple uh, showbiz questions. Yeah. I call, I call them. And, uh, he was a very tan guy. I was. Keith I, is a great I was guy. like, I looked at me. I was like, looked at Jake, and I was like, we got to get outside a little more often. Uh, <laughs> Keith's but, a nice, great guy, and you know, special thanks to everyone there at uh, Good Day, uh, Good Day Tulsa. Uh, Jody McIntyre, producer there. Um, yeah, Jody, put on the mics. Yeah, she's. Uh, you know, we're so grateful for having her a part of this uh, 
the the museum and all she does for us and uh, definitely and it, it was my first time to ever be interviewed for anything and look at look what happened will rogers podcast yeah we uh we're making it to, to the top well it really helped because we've got uh really kind of a bump in um and not viewers, but listeners to the podcast. We have. I mean, it's. We. I think we went in with a little over thirty-two hundred, and it's over four thousand right now. So that that goes to show you that uh, people are interested in this podcast, uh, the subject of Will Rogers, and uh, you know, we we couldn't be more happy with the results. We were just talking about that earlier. Um, our mission. Um, it seems like it goes. It changes with what we're doing all the time because we're. It's just a li- living, breathing type of project. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've got a lot of other ideas of what we want to do as far as, um, you know, reaching reaching more people and, you know, using new media to uh, to do that, to meet our needs. So we've got a lot of great ideas. So so stay tuned. You're, you might see some new stuff from us uh, coming up here pretty pretty soon within the next couple months. You might see our face on the camera more often. We, we're going to tie a piece of rope to Jacob's leg to any chair he's sitting in if we're going to record a video. So. <laughs> tie it down so it's <laughs> that not leg will not around. move. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I bring that up, on, or you brought it up, I brought actually. it up. I just wanted to, I want everyone to know. Well, you know, e- people that uh, watched it, I had like four or five people come up to me and say, dude, your leg was twitching like dude, crazy. you got to quit. What, what, were you nervous? I was like, no, not really. And I saw it, I was like, oh, well, I see what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's a little nerve-wracking to go on television, I think, anyways, but uh, we did a great job, and it was it worked out well. Yeah. It, w- it went great. I was really, really pleased with it. Anyway. Well, Jacob, you want to take a break real quick and then uh, come back, start on Vaudeville Part 2? We'll t- talk a little bit more about Vaudeville. Yes, sir. Guys, we'll be right back. Uh, just give us a minute or two. Thanks. Are you searching for a coffee that captures the spirit of the American West? <laughs> well, look no further than Tewidian coffee. <laughs> it's as hot as the frontier in July. <laughs> It's as dark as the night on the prairie. <coughs> and it's as strong as Will Rogers himself. Super strong! So have a cup of Tewedian coffee and experience the American West the way it was meant to be experienced. Have you tried yourself some coffee today? Tewedian coffee. Jacob, we are back. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Welcome on in. It's a smooth welcome on in with Jacob Crumwitty, Bart Taylor, bacon beans, and limousines. I sound like I'm a uh, uh, 70s radio host. Sorry. Just got a little carried away. I feel like we're, we're going to play a rock block. Apology here. accepted. Okay. No rock block coming up. But guys, we, uh, we're we going to talk about Will and um, making some progress in vaudeville, becoming more of the entertainer that it seems like he is uh, wanting to be and uh, what's kind of working out for him. Um uh, again, we're using Yagoda's book and a couple other great sources, and uh, he just uh, he really dives in and, and shows us Will grasping that hey, you know I'm actually pretty funny. So. Yeah, you know, um, on that note, you know Will's been doing vaudeville now for a couple of years. Um, kind of where we are in the chronological timeline of things. Um, if you haven't been keeping track, we're about in 1905. Um, you know, he's been doing it for, for a little bit, um, and he's been at least an entertainer for a couple of years, especially going back to doing the, what do you consider the Wild West show stuff? Right. Um, so, you know, he, uh, I think he, he's become very successful, don't you think? Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. Um, we saw it um, in a couple episodes ago um, in our part one of Vaudeville where he 
signed with BF Keith was making like 70 bucks, um, you know, as on, as on the contract and then $140 with the new Hammerstein contract. Yeah. So you're right. His fame is shooting through the roof. He's popular. Yeah. People, people love him. Uh, they love going to watching him. Um, the theaters love to uh, book him. It's, it's really going well for him. And, you know, I think it's kind of one of those mediums that Will Rogers really liked. His his uh, personality was just perfect for him to be on stage and be in, yeah, yeah. Be in the spotlight. Perfect for vaudeville, right? Yeah. So, but, so I think he really loved it, but there was still a part of him that was a little bit hesitant in saying, yes, I am, this is my career. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Or I do, want, in fact, want to be an entertainer. Don't you, because, I mean, don't you think he, he, he was really showing a lot of uh, trepidation in a lot of the letters that he wrote, like, to his to his father, right. to his sisters, and to Betty. And, you know, there, there's there's things that you kind of make you doubt, like, okay, is this what he... Is it, is it what he wants to do? Yeah, yeah. you know. It's kind of that, that question that we all face in our late 20s and, yeah. you know. Well, exactly. So it kind of kind of uh, soothes, you know, a troubled soul like myself. <laughs> right, like, right. Okay, well, I'm Will Rogers, Will Rogers <laughs> wasn't, uh, wasn't worried about it, so I shouldn't either. Hey, that's a, good, that's a t-shirt. Yeah, hey. See? <laughs> Let's uh, let's get on that. Okay, you're paying um, for it. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, That's a good point, though, Jacob. That's yeah. uh, it, it. It's he, he wasn't sure, but he was. He was in it. It's not like you know. I'm gonna just go back home. He, it always seemed like Will, you know, um, couldn't make up his mind so much. He, always getting restless. We've talked about this in three or four episodes. Yeah, and I think as you as I've gone back and read like biographies and correspondence he's had and getting really into the sources. Honestly, I've gone back and forth. In fact, even in my notes here, you can see where I've started uh, with one idea, crossed it out, started with another idea. One was essentially starting off saying how much Will was uncomfortable with the idea of being an entertainer. And then I start over thinking like, well, no, he really loved being an entertainer. Yeah. Because there was really a lot during this time in his life. There's a lot of, of, um, kind of a mixed idea of what he really was wanting at that point. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the stigma of being an entertainer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so true. Um, actually I've got a pretty good example. Yeah. Um, uh, Yagoda, our bud. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> uh, that should be on t-shirt too. You betcha. Yeah. I say that way too much. Or on a so. pair of bowling shoes or something. I'm not sure. Do I say that too much? No. It's your catchphrase. It's my catchphrase. I don't have one yet. I just drool on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what Jacob was talking about is, you know, he's like he's not really sure if the entertainer not really he doesn't have a great rap. Um, uh, you go to points out um, this is straight from Will's mouth. Someone was asking him, you know, do, do you care for this vaudeville life? You know, going from town to town. Um, what do you think about it? And he Will replied, "No, sir. The stage business was never built for me. Yeah, uh, a feller has an off day, and there ain't no reason for it, and it shouldn't be." But it is. Out, out on the plains, Will could make as many mistakes as he want. It won't want it to, um, roping and messing up with no audience. The yeah. only audience he has is, uh, you know, some calves or, you know, his buddies out there roping with him. And it was just kind of neat to see that he, he didn't really care for the audience as much as you think he would. Yeah, and I'm glad you read that article because I was actually just now trying to find that one. Um, yeah, he, he, had, he had kind of, uh, he spoke a couple different ways about, and especially in letters back home to his uh, to his family, 
And I think his dad, I think we've, we've mentioned this a couple times before. Um, you know how fathers can, you know, want the best for their sons and, you know, want, uh, want things to be just right in their life and um, have certain expectations. And I'm not exactly sure Clem was too crazy about his, the idea of his son being an entertainer. And when Will would send money home to put in savings, his father at this point in his life was, you know, the, as a bank president in the uh, Claremore area. Yeah. Um, he sent back home. Will would send money back home, and I think Clem was always a little suspicious. Like, where did he get this? Where's money? he getting this cash? Yeah, you know, and you know, he he was always a little bit uh, critical of Will a little bit up until a point, you know, getting closer to the time that Clem died, um, about his life as an entertainer. So, I think there was a little bit of uh, that's what caused a lot of Will's. Um, trepidation as far as you know do you want to be a vaudeville performer for an extended amount of time with betty too don't you think i think so too um but the money i mean he was making 250 a week yeah i mean he's making by, by the end money. of his you know his really his uh what do you call it his his peak in the vaudeville uh show he was 250 a week like i said i don't even make i don't even make that <laughs> <laughs> that is quite a bit of cash so yeah you can see where it's it's hard to give up that thought of you know going back to the ranch like he said and having an audience and um, I, I just thought that that's neat because my, my my whole thought before we even started this whole project is Will loves an audience you yeah know, he loved it from the get go right and then you really learn that he really loved being a cowboy I mean but I, it just happened I yeah. think that was his main goal is he you know as we've gone through this he was kind of searching for that lifestyle of the American cowboy and trying to find it wherever he could. And the life of a performer was a way for him to chase that dream and that idea. But, you know, he wasn't necessarily too crazy about it, like at, at least at the beginning. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's a lot of things he talked about um, there around this time period. Uh, like when he was trying to establish, well, not establish, but uh, his relationship with Betty. Um, oh, yeah. It was kind of a on again, off again, to put it mildly, uh, relationship with the two of them <laughs> up until the point they got married, even. Um, and you know, she she wanted a more stable life. She didn't want to be traveling around as a you know a vaudeville performer's right. wife, going from town to town. So you know, there was a lot of talk from Will uh, at this point. You know, um, wanting to establish. That's why he was sending money home to his father to. Uh, hey, look. To establish a, a nest egg so he could establish, restock a ranch and begin a life back at home. And marry and Betty. Settle down start with Betty and, and start start that life. But, uh, you know. Yeah, that, that's... Um, she had other ideas. <laughs> that's it. That's interesting you bring, you bring that up. Uh, the Because it, it goes back to what I was... I guess I was, what I was saying about him wanting to remain a cowboy, you know. Um, it seems... And I'll, I'll talk about in a second about him developing um, more of a comedic persona uh -huh. on stage than yeah. just a just a cowboy persona. He was learning more and more uh, how to promote himself, and uh, I think he kind of took to that. Um, there's an example, and you go to his book where he um, f for Teddy the horse that we talked about. You know, not yeah. only did Teddy have those shoes that we have in the museum, yeah, you know, if you come see him, but he um, will when Will would get to town. Um, he got, he had Teddy and, um, Buck McKee, mm -hmm. you know, Will's partner, um, yeah. go through town with Will's, uh, with Teddy. Um, and Teddy actually had a blanket made for him, um, that had gold letters, Will Rogers. 
and Buck would lead Teddy through a town, um, kind of as ad advertisement, saying, <laughs> um, "Will Rogers is in town, yeah, um, and he's he's about to perform." And I, I thought that was pretty neat. You you start seeing um, these little hints of him noticing that he's becoming famous and um, the self advertisement. Um, and, and and not and, and trying to st stay with the cowboy persona as Frederick Jackson Turner and all those guys we, we we've talked about before um, from Texas Jack Wild West shows sure still still playing off that but um, also developing his um, showmanship I guess you could say you know it's it's kind of funny because you see all this stuff in his writings uh, to his family and to Betty about you know not wanting to. Um, jump on board with the idea of being a performer the rest of his life. And in fact, you know, he even wrote this, um, this, this letter. He actually, when he was, um, in South, South America, initially, he bought a, uh, this little handkerchief, uh, from this, um, uh, this, uh, from this merchant, you know, is this uh, nice lace, um, lace handkerchief. And she, she, uh, the lady that sold it to him said, you know, this is something you need to give to your wife one day. Um, and he really took it to heart and he kept it and held on to it. Um, you know, at this point it's been three years just about. And by the time 1905 rolls around and he sends it to Betty for Christmas um, of the Christmas of 1905, you know, with this letter that says, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but see so an old Indian lady I bought, I brought from, then gave me this asking, asking me if I was married. And I said, no, uh, she said, then give it to the wife when you marry. I've kept it and I've carried it through Africa at times when I didn't have a cent in my pocket and was actually hungry. Then to Australia, most of the time in an envelope in my pocket and then back home on all my travels. I did intend always uh, to do just as the old woman said, but I guess there's nothing doing for me. <laughs> but I will give it to you just as kind of, I'll give it to you as I kind of pride it and you might do the same. So he gives this, gives Betty this, uh, this handkerchief you know, with all but saying, you know, hey, I want to marry you. <laughs> um, I'm going to try that with a woman sometime. Yeah, but it was really kind of a, a <laughs> you see the sentimental side of Will, which was. Uh, um, you don't I, get to see that all the time, do you? No, and I apologize for me butchering that. It, honestly, Will's writing is is very haphazard. and It's just kind of a phrase here and a phrase there in his early writings. Uh, but anyway, you know, he he's wanting to settle down and we, we talked about that he's wanting to settle down uh but then just shortly after this is in december of 1905 by february of 1906 he is really excited about doing a vaudeville trip um across this ocean in europe yeah mr traveler indeed. yeah so you know it's one of those things he has this uh trepidation for becoming a performer and he's obviously you know telling people he wants to settle down but then he commits to doing, you know, this long vaudeville trip across overseas. So I think I go back and forth on it, but I really think he really loved the idea of being a performer, and it was something he liked doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Jacob. And uh, it seem you go to points out that the um, it seemed like American entertainers as a whole were beginning to perform in Europe, and that interested Will um, as well. Um, you, you see, like the variety gave an example in 1906, the yeah. the influx of American entertainers um, moving to Berlin um, to, to to perform, you know, uh -huh. to take vaudeville somewhere else. And I think this really gave Will a chance um, as he was developing 
Some say it was his first time to speak on stage, you know, before he went to Germany. Yeah. Um, but he was he was developing all along speaking on stage. You know, we don't have a really confirmed date of, you know, sure. when Will Rogers spoke on stage. You know, it's uh, but there are a lot of people that say in vaudeville, that's where he began to develop his comedic persona. Yeah, sure. And, you know, that's uh, I've heard some people say I've heard some people say, you know, in biographies and things like that, that there was a distinct moment when he decided this is. You know, there were there's a story of you know when he messed up on a on a trick and you know everyone laughed at him and he got embarrassed. He by got it. embarrassed. So he didn't even know how to handle it at first. But there's also accounts, um, you know, different primary sources that talk about his performance and his dialect and so I think he was speaking on stage the whole time. It's just he always had that wit about him. You know, he always right. had. Um, always and, remarking on and, and on people things. were starting to say, "Listen, people are interested in your humor almost as much as they are in your tricks." So keep that in mind as you do in your performance. Yeah, and Will didn't want to like you go to again points out. I always say you go to points out. We need to go back and see how many times I say you go to points out. We need to put a jar here, and every time you say it, you we'll give a up. nickel to you, you go to every time we. Say. <laughs> Um, Will did not like, like I was talking about earlier, he was self-promoting, developing comedic styles, but it was essential that Will completely not transform into the Broadway song and dance man. That wasn't what he was wanting to do. Um, I guess basically Yagoda goes on to show that, um, yes, he was developing these comedic talents and uh, being noticed for his, I guess his little, uh, his little, um, not speeches, but just remarks after tricks that yes this um began to began to uh show that he was a truly a comedian mm -hmm. um and and people would start to book him um, as um kind of the funnier man the roper you know um but all, and sometimes people didn't know how to book him there i mean since he was of indian territory pedigree um people in different articles didn't know if he was you know gen genuinely serious mm -hmm. or if he if he was making up all that kind of stuff sure um mm -hmm. But, you know, we go on to see later on that people started imitating Will Rogers um, after he started to develop in, in vaudeville and, and moved to Germany, like, you know, like you're going to talk about. He people were imitating him. There was an influx um, of these cowpuncher types trying yeah. to get show business jobs sure. just from Will's performances and, and uh, popularity at the time. Yeah. And it's really interesting by... It was in March of uh, 1906 is when he would go over and start this tour of Europe. And really, his tour of Europe was, was interesting just in the fact that he was starting this. Um, he's essentially what he's doing is portraying the American frontier. Um, you know, and it's it's the sh the vaudeville show was based off of his um, developed from his performances in the Wild West and the Wild West shows that he kind of. Uh, what started him in the entertainment industry. So, you know, he's performing uh, this routine that he does in vaudeville um, with kind of, uh, like I said, he's portraying the American frontier. You know, he's almost the embodiment of the American frontier. And that's what uh, that's where a lot of his popularity came from, you know. It's, it's what brought a lot of his appeal was was that frontier image people like that especially during this time you know this is a uh, dime novels about the american west were immensely popular silent films were just starting to come around with um, most of them which were had a lot of western themes to them and mm -hmm. everything so this is something that uh, 
just coming out of the, when Wild West was really popular too. Um, so this was something that people really were interested in that, that really gravitated to. Um, so when he went to, over to Europe, um, it wasn't necessarily even lost on the Europeans necessarily, even though this is something that's distinctly American. And this is actually something I, I've learned, you know, a couple years ago. You know, the American West isn't necessarily just an American phenomenon. It's something that um, draws a lot of European people to it because from their perspective, especially, you know, the English and uh, people who had settlers in the colonies, the Americas were, it was just their frontier, you know. Yes, as, you know, the United States became established and became their own nation, yeah, became uniquely American, but still at the same time, from a lot of people's perspective, they still there was still a connection there. So the Ameri- the idea of the American West was still something that was immensely popular in Europe, too. Right. Oh, definitely. You kind of see that with... Um with like we talked about FJT and uh, sure, yeah. Frederick Remington and all the uh, the uh, what, what do you call it? the artists? We have a couple fake Remingtons, don't we? We the, got some Remingtons and Charles Russell. Char- yeah, a couple Charles Russells. Yeah. Actually, the original Charles Russell. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jacob. So um, then, what were you talk about a little bit about Germany? A little bit of UK yeah, trips well, here. Yeah. Okay. From March of 1906 to June of I'm yeah March of 1906 to June of 1906, Will Rogers went to the United Kingdom. Uh, Germany made some stops in Germany, um, basically doing his um, his vaudeville sort of performances in, in theaters and things like that, and it was uh, immensely popular. Um, in fact, um, you know, given that they were, like I said just a minute ago, that they were still interested in the uh, the image of the American West just as much as uh, Americans were. Right. Um, w- one funny example when he was over in Germany, and uh, there's actually two or three that old U goats, but you know, points out, points out. <clears throat> Um, three specific events that he talks about. One was when um, Will was taking Teddy out for, you know, an afternoon stroll through Germany. Um, you know, Will was dressed in his cowboy duds <laughs> in Germany at that time. I'm sure he got a couple looks, head turns. Sure. Um, he, he would take uh, Teddy out there to what was called Berlin's um, Tiergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from German descent, so that rolled off my tongue perfectly. Oh, sure. Yeah. You, you could tell. Um, it's interesting cause he, he was in, in his, uh, Western outfit, which was pretty noticeable. Um, but right when he was, when he went, he'd ride across this field and, you know, he was getting, I guess, you know, Teddy to wake up and get ready for a performance. He noticed that, um, he kept riding past this one same guy at the same time every day. And it turned out to be, um, event- eventually we'll find out that it was Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany. So it's, it was just kind of interesting that he, um, this huge figure, um, over there in Germany, was uh, at the same exact time, uh, several days, he points out that um, they would ride past each other. So you, you wonder what he began to thought, or what he thought of Will and his dads. What's he doing here, you know? Well, I mean, like, what's this guy doing here? I mean, yeah, and what, did he, he what did he think of old uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, he actually said yeah, Will wrote to Betty um, that he was a dandy fellow. So you, you can imagine he was dressed up and... Sure. Looking a little bit different than Will. Yeah. Um, now the second thing that that you go to, I'm not going to say points out. He shows us. Um, he shows us that Will's, like you said, you know, uh, the frontiersman, the cowboy, the the roughness, this this coarseness, you know, of our of our uh, um, original, um, as Frederick Jackson points out, the uh, expansion of America. Um, they didn't find, I guess, all his humor quite that funny. There was a couple times in yeah. Germany he actually almost got arrested. 
he was so used to roping, you know, Buck and Teddy and different uh -huh. people in the audience through, you know, throughout the years of just being it's a showman. It's part of his act, yeah. There was an unhappy fireman um, sitting in the back of one of his shows in Germany, and he always noticed several times that the same fireman was in the back, um, and he had an axe next to him, and he was always looking grumpy. So Will decided, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rope him, and uh, <laughs> it probably wasn't the greatest idea, yeah, to do that. Um, basically, he uh, almost got arrested from doing that. Um, Will actually said in Germany they have cultivated everything they got but a sense of humor. So <laughs> I'm sure he uh, he didn't take that too uh, too lightly. I'm almost getting thrown out of I guess <laughs> the uh, show and the country probably. So um, just some funny examples of the transition of taking your humor to, to a, a different, different country, different and country, and uh, altogether different culture, and see how sure. it, it transitions there. Yeah, um, was, I think that was his first time to really perform in. in he had visited um, Europe before that point, but uh, it was his first time to perform there, so it was kind of a <laughs> probably a learning curve a little bit, um, as we as we uh, as you just heard. Anyway, um, he would return to back to the United States in June of uh, 1906, and you know stayed home for a little bit. Uh, you know, went back to see the family and everything, and by August again he was back out on the vaudeville circuit and. Uh, you know, he, he continued to perform in vaudeville up for, to about 1914, even. Um, so it was several years after. Quite quite a bit. Yeah. And in that, uh, you know, we're not going to go into too much detail of those years following, just because it's uh, a little bit of the same thing over and over, <laughs> the vaudeville circuit just being what it was. Uh, a couple of things to point out, though. Um, you know, it wasn't just, he wasn't just touring around the East. Um, there was a... Uh, Another association out west where he eventually started touring as well. So, you know, he was really traveling all over the country at this point, east and west and everywhere. So his popularity was shooting through the roof. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was um, and really as as he went on, you know, he was becoming the headliner. That's people wanted to go see Will Rogers, not just to see all the shows that were that you might see in a vaudeville show. Um, and, you know, Will was really becoming, becoming a star, you know, um, one thing to point out too, uh, and hop in here if you got anything else to, to comment on, but, um, he started, he started, uh, it was about 1910 in the spring of 1910. He kind of had the idea to try to revive, um, the outdoor performance, you know, like the old Wild West shows used to be the tent. Was that where he was working with Zach? Zach Mulhall again. Yeah. yeah. No, no other trusty Z. Zach Mulhall and his daughter, Lucille. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, to perform in these outdoor <laughs> arenas. Um, but uh, they weren't necessarily overly successful. Um, essentially, the way he had set it up was, uh, you know, they have a bunch of performances, you know, that kind of focused on the Wild West, or not the Wild West, but you know, focusing on the, the American frontier, like what Wild West shows were uh, kind of in the old days. And um, and Will would basically serve as the commentator, the guy who would right. announce everything and make his comments. But uh, Betty Rogers reports in her biography, she said something. Um, there was a theater manager from Philadelphia. Uh, his name is Harry Jordan that said, uh, why does Will carry all these horses and people around with him? I would much rather have Will Rogers alone than the whole bunch put together. It's like a light bulb. Yeah, so it's one of those things that really shows you that at this point in his life, you know, by the time he's through with vaudeville, he's a star. I mean, people come to see him, 
Never mind everything else. Right. Never mind the rope, the rope tricks. Right. Tri- the trick roping. Never mind the um, everything else that goes along with it. The vaudeville show. Um, he's the star. His right. commentary is what people find interesting. They like to hear what he has to say. Yeah, he's he dropping his G's and uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, if so, I have any luck, you know, <laughs> that's my best impression. But that's a great Will Rogers. It's pretty decent. I'm looking for work. So. <laughs> well, guys. I really want to thank you all for, for listening. Um, this was a really big chunk of Will's life that we tried to tackle. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to whittle down years and years and years into and to, two 30-minute podcasts. I know, you it know? really is. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those things we um, like doing it. This was a, this is a fun part of Will's life I always found interesting. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorites because, um, you know, I, I like to – I think everybody can relate to Will Rogers, as we've said many times before. Um, yeah. Just seeing him develop his – comedic persona as i've said numerous times it's interesting to see because i don't think he expected that no um nor did anybody else and it just goes to show you i mean like you really never i mean you know who you are and you just keep developing yourself over and over through the years and life will take you just different places just like will rogers i mean and the same same with me and same with jacob it's just he's one of those figures in history that you can really look to um, and, and see, I mean, he was a great man, did great things and, and, mm-hmm. and, and you can have, and part of his life, you, you can li- like not live vicariously through him, but you can see yeah something that relates to your life. You know, that's one thing that I, I remember a lot is, um, you know, you, you look at Will Rogers as a great example of, uh, <laughs> how to live your life, but especially, especially there at the beginning, um. You know, yeah, he had his problems, like he didn't care for school, he didn't seem to know what he wanted to do, but he essentially just did what he wanted to do and made his life work around that instead of, you know, trying to submit to one certain idea or saying that, well, this is what everyone else is doing. Yeah. He did what he wanted to do, let his work speak for itself, and he became one of the most popular people of the of the uh, 20th century, so, you know. Right. I, guess I mean, you know. aren't we like one of the biggest museums dedicated to a single non-political person? Non-political, non-military uh, That's individual, yeah. That's neat. So, you know, Will Rogers is an interesting guy and a good... The more you research, the more you like him, honestly. I know. So so neat. Um, just another neat episode and some good research that we, we uh, brought out to you. So Yeah. Um, all right, just a couple housekeeping things. Um, oh, you need to tuck in your shirt. <laughs> oh that not that kind. No. okay sorry um make sure you guys uh subscribe to us on itunes um or you know go take a listen to us on podbean or wherever and uh subscribe to us um and when you know make sure you comment uh you know when we post something on facebook let us know what you think about uh what we do and you know if there's um any suggestions you have or you know if there's something uh you think we missed uh just give us a comment let us know um Next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about kind of going back a little bit and talking about Will Rogers' um, uh, courtship with uh, Betty and, you know, him getting married and everything like that, which kind of happened at the same time as this vlog. Yeah, she finally comes around, didn't she? She finally said, okay. Yeah, that 250 a week. Hmm, looks pretty <laughs> tempting, eh? <laughs> yeah, so we'll be covering that. Uh, we'll be covering that uh, next time we have a podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. The more we hear it, uh, the more we think uh, – I mean, outreach is the whole point of why, why we do this. It is the whole point. We want we want to hear what you have to say. So please, please uh, want to hear some of that feedback. Otherwise, um, I think it's time for the usuals, Jacob. Yeah, I think so. This episode was brought to you by 
the Will Rogers Memorial Commission and the Will Rogers Memorial Foundation. The episode was produced by Calvin Frank and Bart Taylor and written and edited by Jacob Crumwitty and Bart Taylor. Special thanks goes out to the Move Trio for the use of their music in our introduction and um, outro music. Uh, the sources we used this week were the papers of Will Rogers, Volume 2, uh, Will Rogers' um, biography by Ben Yagoda, and the Will Rogers' biography by Betty Rogers, as well as Courtship and Correspondence of Will Rogers by uh, Reba Collins. I think that does it, right? I think that's it. Guys, episode 11. It's in the books. Bacon, beans, and limousines. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Mm-hmm.